Okay, so not to bring up Tim Allen again, but... I've never wanted to have sex with a pot pie, but like, I'd have sex with that pot pie. We're all weak to stepping on nails. Let me preface this by saying I wrote a script. Daytona Beach is like two mild inconveniences for being a post-apocalyptic wasteland anyway. So many of my tabs say semen. Are you guys ready for this weird horny adventure that we're all about to go on? You can't handcuff me for skanking. This motherfucker gaslights you. Diet Coke and Sorrow will be chapter four. And against all odds, Kyle, we became those squirrely weirdos. This whole podcast is a very negative mouthfeel. Hello and welcome to Debate This, the show where no one is right, but someone is definitely wrong. In this show, we take time out of our busy adult lives to talk about comic books, video games, and how periodically I'm very... I'm going to get this again. Let me do I'm thrown <laughs> off. By, I'm thrown off by Sonic's teeth. Not his very human feet. <laughs> the feet were worse. Like yeah. just the, the concept yeah. of this movie is going to show us Sonic's feet was the most upsetting thing about pre remake Sonic movie. Yep. Did they actually show us his feet? I thought that was just the Internet saying, hey, think about the fact his feet would be here. I thought they, if they showed, showed us his, his feet. If they showed us his feet, I blocked that out. <laughs> Didn't we do this like two years ago? <laughs> yeah. 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 I'm pretty sure we've had this conversation Two years before. ago in 2017, Andrew? It's actually, 2019 right now. <laughs> yeah, it was almost like 18 months ago, if we're being really honest. <laughs> I'm very excited for a, a fun and open 2020. <laughs> I have so many vacation plans. <laughs> the thing the thing that started this whole like dark spiral was that Matt reminded us how before some of us went to go see Sonic, there was a man who mixed a slushy and a bunch of liquor at a bar in front of us, and it was really upsetting. And then I, I thought about it. I think there was wine in that too. I oh, think that's Jesus. how we got so disgusted. So it was like a sangria. It was slushy. a Sonic themed sangria. Yes, that he poured into a slushy. Yeah. This man made a meme out of his drink. Did he get that slushy from a Sonic drive-thru? No, no. Because that would be that would that put shit's the... meta, Kyle. <laughs> I, I thought you, I thought I thought you were gonna ask if he brought it from home, and I was gonna say no, he didn't bring his own. <laughs> it was called a sangria and knuckles. All right, all right, okay, Jesus. all right, fine, you win. Hey, um, you guys know, uh, every major comic run and 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 movie and and story, it always has this big creation of this big team up, right? And so, in fact. If you think about it, Marvel's made. <laughs> yeah, right. I don't want to talk about what we're talking about anymore. <laughs> um, anyway, Marvel's made, you know, dozens, if not probably over 100 of different teams just to ram jam, you know, this hero group with that hero group. And, you know, the most exciting Marvel stories, they always come from this introduction of this new hero that exists just to kind of mix things up and keep things fresh. And, you know, since we know that Marvel is looking to kick off a new, fresh look for the Avengers in the MCU, and yet somehow gritty reboots and, and callbacks are all the rage. I've asked, personally, the professionals over at DT! Exclamation Point to pitch to me who's going to be the new addition to this newest big Avengers team-up movie. Now, that's boring, and we don't do boring here. <laughs> the catch is that they need to bring me a hero that is already existing in those oft-forgotten 2000 superhero movies. You guys remember those, audience? Yes. Oh, yeah. Remember, I wasn't... Yeah, do you remember those? Or if you don't remember those, there's an IMDb listicle of non-Marvel and DC superhero movies. I read it a lot this week. Specifically the ones that came in the wake of, of Sam Raimi's Spider-Man when, yes. when everyone was very much scrambling to, to burn out superheroes before. Um, the first time every studio was like, 
superheroes. What a good idea. Let's do that. So um, with a random and surprisingly deep bench to pull from, helping me sort through the lineup of potential supers today is Andrew Dr. Druid Henderson, Matt Stingray Cole, and Kyle 3D Man Harper. All right. Who's 3D Man, Todd? It's a little too broad. Narrow it down for me. I gotcha. So these are, I found a list of the 10 worst Avengers of all time. Oh, these are the three. I think these are top three worst Avengers at all of all time. Dr. Druid sounds kind of rad. I was yeah, say, Dr. Sure Druid does. sounds super rad. Yeah, um, I think the quote was he joined the team, got mind controlled, faked his own death and then betrayed a different team and then died for real. OK, well, that's unfortunate huh. for him. Yeah. And Stingray's powers, I think, are just to swim really fast underwater. Isn't he a DC hero? Isn't uh, that an Aquaman villain? No, well, yeah, well, no, that's yeah, that's, that's Manta that's Ray. Yeah, oh. Manta Ray or Black yeah. Manta. Is Black that Black Manta? Manta? Um, Is that a thing? Um, yeah. Stingray, Stingray uh, they used him for like one underwater mission. They're like, you're an Avenger. See ya. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so I'm going to read from 3D Man's wiki page before yeah. we move on, because it, under powers, it's. 3D man possesses various superhuman physical attributes that are approximately three times greater than that of even the finest human athlete. <laughs> which, which, which is, didn't they say, stupidly arbitrary, and I love that. He's, he's well, three times the man of even the finest man. Well, but wasn't the whole thing with Captain America that he's 30 times stronger, faster, like, you know, sure. heels? That's a fucking Pokedex entry. <laughs> yeah. So 3D man is one tenth of a Captain America. If you get 10 3D mans, <laughs> you can have one Steve Rogers. Does that make 3D man the square root of Captain America? All right. Stop it. Um, all right, guys. So tell me uh, which circa 2000s hero do you think would be a perfect addition to the next Avengers team? And further, uh, tell me, you know, where they're from and what they're going to bring to the team. Andrew, why don't you pop it off? I would love to. Uh, I'm sure you're going to give a good answer. It's a great answer. I only give good answers here on, mm. on DT exclamation. We're going we're gonna to fact check that one um, off air. Uh, so, Todd, submitted for your approval, I give you Invisible Boy, originally portrayed by Kel Mitchell in 1999 summer blockbuster action comedy Mystery Men. Do you guys remember Mystery Men? What a pull. <laughs> what an incredibly <laughs> deep pull. Incredible. Yeah. Mystery Men, the DVD that lived in every, by every teenage male's binder of DVDs in the mid-2000s. Yeah, it was Anchorman before Anchorman was Anchorman. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, <laughs> Mystery Man, the movie that gave us... Was, wasn't the hero, the one guy had a shovel? He did. Let me... <laughs> let, I'll, let me okay, let me quickly... I'll, right. I'll, I gotta, I'll do the thing. So for those of you out there who haven't heard of Mystery Men, uh, who weren't in the theaters in summer of 1999 like I was, Mystery Men was an original script loosely inspired, I did not know this, um, it was originally inspired by Bob Burton's Flaming Carrot comics. Um, have oh. you guys ever heard of Flaming Carrot? No. Am I supposed no. to have heard of Flaming Carrot? I, I think it's pretty obscure. Okay. Um, this was published by Dark Horse, but it's had a couple other publishers. Um, the idea was it was it was created in the seventies, and it's like it, the idea was it one of the first major like surrealist comedic takes on superheroes. So like the main character is a carrot man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like all right, amazing. <laughs> um, so Mystery Men is an original story, but it took inspiration from that comic, and then that comic actually added Mystery Men to its canon, which is kind of cool. 
But yeah, so the idea is Mystery Men uh, stars this collection of ragtag D-list superhero wannabes that all have weirdly specific, I would say, homebrew superpowers. <laughs> um, so the movie opens. There, This is an ensemble comedy. This was huge in the late 90s. Uh, this also, like, 1999, this was the height of... Ben Stiller fever. Something about Mary had just come ben out. Ben Stiller was in this movie. Oh my god! Mm-hmm. Ben yeah. Stiller was the was the lead in this movie. Ben Stiller was the was the leading presence. Of was this the movie. mystery oh man? He like, was the man a, of mystery. It's got, it's a, got a dumb, a stupid cast. Fucking like, dense cast. Janine Garofalo, William yeah, H. So you've got you've got the, the original three members of the Mystery Men. You've got the Shoveler, played by William H. Macy. <laughs> there it is. Yeah. Um, the Blue Raja, played by Hank Azaria, <laughs> who. Famously is the voice uh, and the voice of uh, um, what's his name? Um, no one uh, help him. Indian, no Indian one help him. Convenience store helper and convenience store guy. And oh, uh, no one help him. I'm gonna say, I'm gonna take a clean cut of that. Fuck you, Kyle. Uh, <laughs> get the blue Raja played by Hank Azaria, uh, famously the voice of Apu in The Simpsons, as well as like a thousand other voices. But that's the one that seems to be attributed to him the most. And then, of course, we talk about Ben Stiller playing Mr. Furious. <laughs> that's what it was. A.K.A. Jesus. a Ben Stiller character. A Ben Stiller character. <laughs> Tom Waits um, is in this movie. Eddie yeah, Izzard dude. is in this movie. Eddie Izzard is the bad is the bad guy. Fucking Jeffrey Rush is the bad guy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Kind of, so I watched this movie today again. It holds up really well. It's got similar energy to Galaxy Quest, which also came out around this time. Man, um, what a good fucking movie. Can we yeah. just take a second to say how good a fucking movie Galaxy, Galaxy Quest, Quest is? is? A very, very good movie. I've never seen Galaxy Quest either. There there are uh Paul Rubens is also in this. Mm-hmm. Um there there are a couple weird bad problematic area 1999 problematic areas but honestly like the comedy really holds up it's very zany like hank azaria playing a character named the blue raja we're gonna we're gonna (laughs) talk about that a lot because i i want to i want to save that for a little bit later um but also yes um it's got a lot of the like camp and zaniness that the Schumacher Batman movies had, which like if you were to watch Mystery Men in 2008, you'd been like, this fucking sucks. But like me watching us today in 2021, I had a hell of a time watching this movie, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So the, the, the basic plot is so uh, these three are they're trying to they're attempting to stop a robbery at an old folks home in their native Champion City. Also, Champion City is this like fucking insane Neo Tokyo Blade Runner like futuristic city that did not need to be this way. Like it's just like this like <laughs> insane computer like they spend a ton of money on weird computer animated graphical transition scenes. Yeah. Like it's really wild. It was 1999. That's what you yeah. threw your movie's budget at. It was Y2K fever, baby. Mm-hmm. This is a budget cast. <laughs> um so they are not successful but they're saved in the nick of time by the city's actual hero, Captain Amazing, played by Greg Kinnear. <laughs> fucking a man um so a series of events leads to captain amazing capture capture by the villainous ready for this casanova frankenstein (laughs) how was this movie real by jeffrey rush casanova frankenstein is my new gamer tag so oh my god i am changing my steam name tonight there's no way casanova frankenstein is still available as a game yeah yeah. somebody made that in 1999 Mm -hmm. hasn't changed it um so it falls to this this group of wannabe superheroes to save him so the most of the plot the act two or three of the movie is they're recruiting more to their team, which includes the spleen played by Paul Rubens, um, <laughs> the, the bowler played by Janine Garofalo. And of course, invisible boy 
played by Kel Mitchell. Didn't your Janine Garof- Garofalo's uh, bowling ball have a skull in it? It was the skull of her, da- of her dad. Jesus <laughs> Christ. <laughs> this movie. And she talks to it. Wow. Okay, um, so I've never seen yeah. Mystery Men, Dude, but I'm Matt, changing my plans for this Man evening. Sky yeah. <laughs> you can get it on Amazon Prime for $3. It's I, free on oh Peacock. My. Yep. Oh, shit. All right. Yeah. I 110% recommend it. Like, I know. So, okay. So, the spleen is the, because this was 1999, it was kind of a kid's movie, has the power of farts because, of course, he does. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, the shoveler is just William H. Macy in a mining hat who, like, wields a shovel. And it's yeah. great. Um, Blue Raja is Hank Azaria, like we said. So, Hank Azaria is dressed up in, like, a tablecloth and he's doing a really, like, posh British accent. But he has like a turban around his head and it's super offensive. And and <laughs> yeah. like they actually like get to the point where everyone's like, hey, that's really offensive. He's like, no, no, no. So here's the deal. Right. Because because India used to be a Brit- like under British rule. So like this is the bit. A Raja was actually a British power. I'm just I'm just playing the British side. But what? he's also. Yeah, it was wild. And also, he doesn't have anything blue in him, and that's a recurrent joke. But the bit with Blue Raja is that he's the master of cutlery. He throws silverware, but he doesn't throw knives. He only throws forks. Yes. <laughs> anyway. It was just like every character had to be a joke. They took three steps a little far. Yes. yes. Uh-huh. And then uh, Ben Stiller's Mr. Furious. He doesn't literally do anything the whole movie. He just he's, he just gets angry. He's just he, Ben Stiller. He does, does Again, ben Stiller. he does that, that Ben Stiller character, yeah. Anyway, okay, so let's talk about Invisible Boy. So when the three guys first approach Invisible Boy, he explains the source of his powers. Invisible Boy, Invisible Boy has the power to turn completely invisible, but the trick is he can only do it when no one is watching. When no one's watching, yeah. <laughs> Incredible. <laughs> Incredible. And if he or others look at him while he's invisible, he will turn back. Amazing. <laughs> when asked how he knows that he's actually able to turn invisible, his response is, it's a feeling. <laughs> so, uh, so throughout the movie, um, Invisible Boy is obviously like do anything. His uh, his his real purpose is his just like unrelenting charm and optimism. He's like he's the stereotypical like wide eyed superhero fanboy. He also like he pulls together all his superhero contacts because this is just like a club of nerds that hang out right. and dress up as superheroes. Sure, which in a sequence leads them to find Ginny Garofalo's character, who's kind of like the ringer of the team. Now he does get his moment to shine at the end, but the major contribution really is just like, he's just like the encourager. He's cheering on his other teammates. Um, he finds, he helps the main characters. He helps Shoveler find the courage to lead and helps Mr. Furious find his identity, which is a whole other arc for Ben Stiller's character. So yeah, uh, invisible boy portrayed by the one and only Kel Mitchell, who I'm pretty sure is not acting anymore. He's a pastor. Yes. Yes. I, I think Great. I that. Sure. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Um. Boy, Andrew came in hot with some like good nostalgia uh, with Kel Mitchell. Uh, Matt, what do you have for us today? Yeah, Todd. Listen. So I know that there is an expectation for me to come here and talk about 2006 cinematic masterpiece Zoom Academy for Superheroes, starring Tim <laughs> the Allen, entire Courtney show Cox, has been Rip waiting Thorn, for this. and Chevy Chase. <laughs> But I'm not going to do that. Wait, time out. I, I'm, I'm those people were all in the 2006 yeah. masterpiece Zoom Academy for superheroes. <laughs> yep. Uh-huh. How? How did they? This was never mind. That's not Kate the point. Morrow was actually a superhero. Yeah. Yep. So not gonna do that. 
largely because that movie is terrible and it's mostly just Tim Allen fat shaming a 14 year old. Yes. Um, right. I watched a few clips of Zoom this week and was reminded why Zoom like I remember the title, but not the movie. Anyway, friends, today we're going to talk about the precursor to My Hero Academia, 2005 Disney mega hit Sky High. Yeah. And whilst, yeah, uh huh, <laughs> better nostalgia, better nostalgia than Mystery Men. Different. Better. Different. Better. While Sky High, which was definitely the first property to do a superhero high school, I will not be taking questions at this time, introduced us to a uh, wide cast of super and not so super characters. X-Men came out in the in the 60s, Matt. Yeah, I would like to bring I would I am not taking questions at this time. <laughs> it's not a question. That was a fact that cannot be argued. <laughs> I would like to bring the most interesting character into the Avengers business by promoting War and Peace from Sky High to whatever open position the execs are hiring for today. Warren can shoot fire out of his hands and has a lot of teenage angst and a trendy red hair stripe. And I think that's what the Avengers need. Warren Peace is such a good superhero name that like Amazing name. the rest of the really movie good. could have been hot, stinky trash. And that name would have been would have carried it. So who is that Kurt Russell's character? I've not seen this movie. Is that no. Kurt OK, so Warren Warren Peace is played by a guy named Stephen Strait, who did like nothing else. <laughs> oh, yeah. Sky High. Honestly, a pretty good movie. Like as far as 2005 Disney movies go, I think that Sky High is is pretty much the upper echelon of mid 2000s Disney. And the whole idea is that it's this superhero school that has two tracks. There is a track for superheroes and there's a track for what they call hero support which is basically like sidekick school. Oh, shit. This is My Hero Academia. Yeah. Yes, mm -hmm. exactly. Okay. It is super just My Hero Academia. This yeah. is also just the most recent season of The Adventure Zone. Got it. Good. Yeah, you. so you come to school and like day one, you get sorting hatted into either being a hero or being a sidekick. And this whole movie introduces us to like a bunch of people. And then the one person that they introduce us to that they give us no other backstory on is War and Peace, who is the most interesting and the coolest character in this whole fucking movie and <laughs> deserves a lot more. And we're going to talk about that today. But if you get nothing else out of this, his name is War and Peace. And that's the best <laughs> superhero it's a really name good ever. Name. <laughs> I, I can't tell if I like it or hate it, but it's it's a comic booky thing. So it, I guess it gets a it gets the green light. Um, Kyle, what did you bring? All right, Todd. So we all know that Marvel needs a new big bad to spin into a 10 year arc that culminates into a cinema experience the like of the likes of which has never been seen before. And we also know that the quote unquote fans have been clamoring to get Nathan Fillion in the MCU for years. So I bring you today one solution to both problems. Introducing Captain Hammer as the newest member of the MCU <laughs> and with him our underlying big bad for the next decade, the evil league of evil. What? <laughs> so if, if mystery man or mystery men was a great pull, Dr. Horrible's sing along blog is oh like God. Pull. the best pull because yeah. that came out during the writer's strike. Didn't it? That was it the did. whole thing. That was, yeah. it was a output of the writer's For strike. those of you who don't know, Captain Hammer is the 
antagonist in the the web series Doctor Horrible sing along b- blog written by Joss Whedon and his brother during the 2007 and 8 writer strike as a way to kind of hire crew and and actors when uh, television production was shut down. Uh, they released three web shorts, three musical web shorts, um, starring Neil Patrick Harris as the titular Dr. Horrible, a low-level villain trying to become a high-level villain as the main character, and his, his foe who barely knew he existed, Captain Hammer, played by Nathan Fillion. Captain Hammer has, you know, the, the typical, like, like good superhero powers, just super durability, super strength, super speed. Um, he's a big doofus and and a very good use of Nathan Fillion in mm-hmm. uh, in a comedic role. He's basically Captain Awesome, as portrayed yeah. by Greg Kinnear. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he says, "The hammer is my penis." At one That's point, quote. <laughs> yeah. um, the catchphrase of the. There century. you have it, folks. We did not make it past the first question without someone <laughs> saying, "The hammer is my penis." Yeah, which, mind you, is a joke that was so culturally relevant it got used in the Adam Sandler remake of The Longest Yard, mm-hmm. and that joke got recycled as "What the hammer is his penis." <laughs> Whoa! Yeah. That's bad. I don't like that. But I do like that um, <laughs> the guy that plays uh, Wallowitz in uh, that shitty show, the Bang, Big Bang Theory, yeah. is, is his sidekick, <laughs> Moist. God. <laughs> Who has the power to make things kind of damp. Yeah. <laughs> what? Can we... We do not do enough things that are just callbacks <laughs> to the late 90s, mid-2000s, because, man, the nostalgia... The moist, the the, the leader of the evil league of eagle, uh, the evil league of evil before Dr. Horrible takes over is a villain called Bad Horse, who is just a yeah. horse. <laughs> <laughs> like they pan around the table and there's just a horse at the head of the table. Oh, my God. Yeah. OK, we, we got to we got to keep going. Um, All right. Back in the bit. So, okay, if we look at the the success of like recent superhero movies, it's always fun or gritty twists on their origin story or or their character. You know, that's what makes them shine. So my question to you is, what's the source origin story for your hero? And then how are you going to change that for this reboot to make them like extra, you know, extra purposeful and meaningful to this story? Yeah, so we we don't get a whole lot about Invisible Boys. You sure don't. Now no. that I'm reminded, now that I'm reminded <laughs> yeah. about who Boy this person like is. maybe three scenes. So like Kel-, Kel Mitchell was a stunt cast that was to get the kids butts in the seats. This was the yeah. height of Keenan and Kel, and like this was to get the, the height kids of in Snick. The- yeah, yeah. <laughs> this was to get the kids in the door because this was like kind of a kid's teenage dream. I was 12 years old. This hit me at the, just the perfect spot. I, I too watched this because I, when I thought about Kel, Mitchell would only think that he yeah. likes orange soda and that he put the screw in the tuna. It was a time when every movie that wasn't rated G or R had to like fit, fit this wide gap of appealing mm-hmm. to 12 year olds and like 35 year olds all at once. You so, had yeah. to take someone from the cast of all that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. You yeah. absolutely. Which did. is why you have Greg Kinnear acting alongside Kel Mitchell in an, <laughs> in a superhero movie. Sorry, and Andrew. William continue. H. And fucking Jeffrey Rush. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's incredible. I would like to, to remind everybody that I assume Oscar Award winner at Jeffrey Rush is also in this. I don't know if he has an Academy Award or not. It doesn't matter. Um, so we don't get Invisible Boy's backstory. All we get is that all his life he was ignored. 
And there's this one bit, the first scene uh, we see at his parents' house because he's a teenager. Um, and he, t- he answers the door. He tells his dad, I'm going up to my room with three strange men. <laughs> and, <laughs> this is a funny line. And his dad doesn't respond. So, you know, he's just a quiet, lonely kid who discovered that he has the power to be invisible as long as no one else is around. So I actually like a lot of what they did with that in the original movie. I, I so I want to keep a lot of that source, um, that source origin story. So my my reboot is more of a like a Blade Runner twenty forty nine. We're gonna we're gonna see what happens when Invisible Boy is a thirty seven year old Invisible Man. <laughs> so, <laughs> by that I mean we're gonna reboot this franchise as Mystery Men twenty years later. So here's the here's the premise. So after saving Champion City by throwing Casanova Frankenstein into the Psychofraculator, all of those things happen. <laughs> the sorry, no, hold on, Psychofraculator. Psychofraculator is what I said. Okay. They 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 may have this again. Like nobody asked this to be in like fucking Neo Tokyo, and they made up all these like insane like fake techno babble words, yeah, techno babble yeah. words, mm-hmm. and like basically like rework orchestrated Jeffrey Rush's molecules in a it was a whole thing. Sure. Sure. Right. I'm imagining um, a, a pan over a room full of like lava lamps and the, the ball that has like the electrical current coming out of it. Yeah. You, you yeah. touch your you hand. You just gotta to watch it. the movie, man. Yeah. yeah. I'm convenient. telling you, that's what I'm doing as soon as we're done recording this podcast. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna yep. watch this yep. fucking movie. Uh so after after saving the day, the mystery men were on top. But success quickly went to their heads. They were not were ready to be a professional superhero team. And it only took about three years for the team to start falling apart. Uh, we find Mr. Furious tried to create his own solo brand and failed miserably. Um, the shoveler retired to live out in the woods with his wife and kids, Tony Stark style. Um, the spleen was diagnosed with stage four colon cancer and died <laughs> shortly thereafter. <laughs> so, I mean, look, it doesn't not everybody can get a good ending. I mean, I asked for gritty, so I get um, it. Yeah, the, the bowler was last seen fighting a wave of wave of mob cronies, but mysteriously disappeared. And the Blue Raja, who I may remind you is Hank Azaria doing a very bad British accent pretending to be an Indian stereotype, uh, couldn't deal with the weight of accidentally melting Greg Kinnear and also couldn't deal with the fact that his entire superhero persona was incredibly problematic (laughs) and incredibly offensive to the entire people of India. And then, of course, checked himself into a mental health facility. So we are left with our friend Invisible Boy. Invisible Boy, meanwhile, without a team to support him, just quickly slipped back into the civilian lifestyle. He picked up a job at a call center. He quickly moved up his way at the corporate ladder to middle management at a regional distribution facility. And despite the fact he's been at the company for 13 years now, no one really knows his last name. And uh, as of, as of the, the movie's setting, it's now the 20-year anniversary of the Mystery Men's battle with Casanova Frankenstein, and Invisible Boy <laughs> finds himself all alone yet again. And that's when we find out that Apocalypto who was supposed to be serving a 50-year sentence as noted, referenced in the first movie, is revealed to have successfully appealed his sentence and has just been released. Champion City has been without superheroes for so long that the hobby has long passed the fad. People are into, you know, Harry Potter and shit now. So it's, as they do. So it's up, it's up to Invisible Boy to bring the mystery men out of retirement and save the city once more. Okay, so I know that you just said a lot of things. Sure. That being said, I have been looking at the cast list of Mystery Men. 
Yeah. And there are a lot of names on here that we haven't talked about yet. Please that it needs I, to be acknowledged. Don't don't do the one that I think you're going to do because that's I got to that's my big that's my big third act reveal. So don't uh, do it. So so you saying that to Matt, I'm looking at like four names that yeah, could be I've got the at ones least you're six names. I we're going to talk about the waffler later. <laughs> okay, so I won't I won't bring up the waffler then. But some yeah. other people in this movie, uh High School Musical's Corbin Blue. Yep. Um Ricky Ratman, who, if you're a fan of MTV's Headbangers Ball, you might know. I know that one's okay. just for me. Um, I know CeeLo Green makes an appearance. Yeah, shut up. Wow. <laughs> this does. is This is like the Mickey Mouse Club for, for yeah. actors in 1999. This, yeah. this is a very important movie to Six Degrees from Kevin Bacon, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I'm not done. CeeLo Green is credited as rapper number two. However, yeah. also... Mark Mothersbaugh from Devo. Yeah, yeah. he's a composer. Doug Jones. No, no he's in the movie. Oh, Mark is he in the movie? Is in the movie. I know he he did a lot of the music, but Doug yeah, that makes Jones sense. Doug Jones is in this movie. Motherfucking Michael Bay is in this movie, credited as <laughs> Frat Boy One. Oh shit, that is that was Michael Bay. Michael Bay. That's Michael Bay. Frat Boy yeah. One. There's a there's a there's a team of frat boys. So so the the whole deal is Casanova Frankenstein, played by Jeffrey Rush, gets a bunch of like you know cronies together, and he gets like the different teams, and they all have different specific themes. My favorite are the Disco Boys, who are led by Eddie Izzard. <laughs> And they're just like super, they're just themed, they're just disco themed henchmen. And like, and someone will say like, isn't disco dead? And Eddie Izzard will like, uh, Eddie Izzard gets all upset about it. It's, it's really fucking rules. Uh, Eddie Izzard plays Tony Pompadour. (laughs) The last two people that I feel like I need to bring up in this are Tom Waits, singer-songwriter Tom Mm -hmm. Waits, and Artie Lang. Artie Lang is oh, in this movie. Yeah, this was this was man. before Artie Lang was replaced by Bobby Moynihan as the funny fat white man. Yes. Wow. Yeah. This cast is incredible. How? There's one other stunt cast that I need to. I need. Who is Sphinx? Uh, Wes Studi from. Uh, he was in Dances with Wolves. Yeah, he was in. So that was the that's Last another Mohicans. like incredibly yeah that Wes Studi is a, is. So he he is he is one of the the more uh, notorious, more commonly used actors that are playing to portray a Native American. And so his character Sphinx is like the wise old trainer, which is also like pretty problematic. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. But again, it's it it doesn't feel that bad because it's like it knows what it is. It's kind yeah. of the like, movie's so it's one of the, the case where it, yeah. the movie's so kind of dumb that like, yeah, to be mad at it is just a waste of emotion almost like to be mad at it is to miss the point. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's got the, it's, it's not even that dumb. It's actually a very smart movie. It's smart. Like wet hot American summer is smart. Like it's, it's a smart, smart in the, it's 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 smart, smart in how dumb it is. Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Anyway, um, I, I digress. So we are going to talk about one more stunt cast, uh, later on in the episode. This movie in 1999 is what that stupid Valentine's Day movie was in 2010. If you ever saw the cover. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It had everybody in it. That movie. Every famous person from 2010. And I'm pretty sure the movie had to be bad. It oh, was, like, I it was... saw it in theaters on Valentine's Day. Yeah. With I mean, girl, obviously so did I. Yep. Because everybody was going to date when that movie came. That was out. like, yeah. When, like, wasn't Taylor Swift in that movie? Taylor Swift. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Movie. Taylor Lautner. Yeah. yeah. Three more Taylors. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Jonathan. 
Yeah. Taylor. We could probably move on. <laughs> anyway, that's not important. Um, Matt, please. Uh, what? <laughs> same question as I gave to Andrew. Uh, what's the source origin story for your hero, and what are you changing about it in this reboot? All right, cool. Yeah. So, War and Peace. As I said earlier, I can't get used to that. Keep going. <laughs> easily the most interesting backstory in the whole goddamn movie. So War and Peace is the son of an unnamed superhero and a evil supervillain named Baron Battle, who is currently serving four life sentences in prison. So they tell us, like, literally, it is a pan across the cafeteria and somebody goes, Who's that? And somebody else goes, that's War and Peace. His mom is a superhero and his dad is Baron Battle and he's serving four life sentences. And then they <laughs> never talk about that again. <laughs> they spent more time on that. Like that. Oh, never mind. That's incredible. That's so good. To put this in more perspective, this came out in 2006. This is this. The War and Peace looks like they could slot right into My Chemical Romance. Like yeah, oh, the yeah. big, the big, mm-hmm. they have the big emo spike, um, some some eyeliner on. Like it's it's the the edge lord character, the two thousand six edge lord character of edge lords. It's yeah, War and Peace was my favorite character because he was feeling all the feelings I was feeling. <laughs> <laughs> sure, sure, yeah, <laughs> he yeah. looked like my emotions, and I identified with that. Um, but yeah, so like somebody in the writers' room came up with the name War and Peace. And, and worked backwards like, from there. <laughs> that was it. We yep. get there. They're like, mm-hmm. we check that box. Exactly. So the War and Peace, great name on its own. Even better when the backstory is like love child of good and evil. That's mm-hmm. great, but we don't get any more there. So what we're going to do is we're going to expand on that story. This motherfucker needs an origin story. And for once, it's not going to be Joker killed your parents in the alley. How did these two people, Jesus, what allowed them to put aside their differences long enough to procreate? Why is Baron Battle serving four life sentences? All this and more (laughs) in a gritty, canon bending solo film told through Warren Peace's EMDR sessions with his therapist as he is trying to work through his childhood. Oh, (laughs) yeah. Okay, so it's just Falcon and the Winter Soldier. (laughs) It's, It's pretty much Falcon and the Winter Soldier, but like. Only the first two episodes of Falcon and the Winter Soldier, because that plot line got thrown so, out. So with bad pacing, got it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, better pacing. I'm glad that you made the reference about like Bruce Wayne's parents dying, because that's the first thing I thought, is that I've seen Martha Wayne shot in an alley too many times, and this, this gave me the entire guy's backstory in two nameless characters having three-sentence exchange. Yeah, right? And so like, I do think there's a really cool backstory here of like, this kid who was born, I don't remember the movie, but there was a movie about two spies who had to hunt each other, but like also were Mr. married. Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Spy kids. Mr. and oh. Mrs. Smith, thank you, not spy kids. No, Andrew, not spy was kids. It Shark Boy and Lava Girl? Uh, it was Mr. and Mrs. Smith. And, and this is like that same story, right? Where you've got, you've got like good mom, you've got bad dad, and they like doinked and spawned and now you've got this kid trying to navigate life with good mom and bad dad <laughs> which is 100% a storyline for one of the characters in my hero academia yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's my hero academia i tell i'm literally the first yeah. thing the very first link at the bottom of the wikipedia page in the see also section is my hero academia 
That tracks. Yeah. Um, I'll let you know, skyhigh.fandom.com still has active users. There are still people actively <laughs> editing it 17 <laughs> days ago, which is really saying something. Well, I know That's I know um, the Hunger Games really revitalized the popularity of Sky High because of uh, Josh Hutcherson's existence in both. Fair. But, uh, okay. yeah. Wasn't uh, Danielle Panabaker in that? She's in she, one yeah, of the she's WB one of the main, She's uh, in the, shows, the, right? Flash. the Flash. Yeah. The Flash. Yep. I don't think Josh Hutcherson was in Sky High. Isn't he the lead? Who's the lead? No, no, it's that other guy who looks kind of like Josh Oh, Hutcherson. okay. Jake Jake Sandvig Lash, is that the lead? No, uh, hold on. <laughs> Will hold on. Stronghold? Uh, Will Stronghold is the name of the character. Uh, Michael Anagarano. Oh, that that helps. Yeah, it doesn't. I know. He hasn't done much else. Oh, he, he was in Almost Famous. Like Josh Hutcherson. What? He was, he was the main character in Almost Famous. What? Oh, I guess he was the he was the aged down version. He was in Lords of Dogtown. Yeah. Okay. Oh, okay. I thought that was Josh Hutcherson until like from 2006 until today. <laughs> I thought that was Josh Hutcherson. Listeners to the podcast, we will at some point just record a sidebar labeled the 2000s where we'll just do this for 40 minutes for you. <laughs> yeah. Did you, um, <laughs> do you, do you listeners, do you like listening to us to be, be on IMDb for two hours? Yeah, this is great. Um, Kyle, Kyle, same question as I asked the other two. All right. So, Todd, we are in a really good spot with Captain Hammer because are his, we? His, his origin is relatively unknown. Since since the 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 web series he was introduced in is actually Doctor Horrible's origin story, we get to more or less make up Captain Hammer's origin whole cloth. With that, here is what I propose for Captain Hammer's origin story. Henry Hammer had your typical white male small town upbringing, working in his parents' hardware and hobby shop after school, or at least when he wasn't busy being the captain of his high school football team. Uh, yes, white male small town USA. Go on. Um, even though he was your stereotypical jock, he was best friends with an inventive nerd named Billy Badman. That all changed for Henry when Billy was tinkering around with a new invention in the storeroom of Hammer Hardware and burned the family business down, killing Henry's mom. <laughs> what? <laughs> Holy shit. You said gritty. Um, <laughs> So even though wealthy relative Justin Hammer, that's how we get our tie into the ah, MCU, uh, yeah. helped keep the family business afloat, Henry's dad never, never emotionally recovered, forcing Henry to quit the football team right before playoffs, telling his teammates, a man's got to do what a man's got to do. <laughs> the team barely makes it through playoffs and is gearing up for the championship game when, when Billy returns, trying to make amends for his mishap with the new invention with a different invention, a robotic assistant that will help Pa Hammer around the shop so Henry can go back to the football team and lead them to victory. Ecstatic, Henry runs to make the championship game in time. He plays, it's great, we get a big Friday Night Lights-esque uh, victory. He runs home to tell, to tell Pa Hammer the great news to find more tragedy. The robo-assistant accidentally knocked over a shelf, killing Pa Hammer. Oh. <laughs> Henry then vows to stop accidents like the ones that have killed his family from ever happening again <laughs> and not allowing mad scientist inventions to claim any more lives. Keeping watch over his small town, Henry, Henry dons cargo pants and rug, rubber gloves to become the town protector, Captain Hammer. Which is really funny knowing <laughs> the quote, the hammer is my penis. <laughs> <laughs> 
Okay, so not to bring up Tim Allen again, but... <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, I, hold on. Somebody uh, needs to bring that, freeze that clip and use that for the next opening, please. Oh, yeah, that's <laughs> that's also the cold open that's for just, this episode. That's just, <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, Matt but like, on brand. Oh, my God. So Captain Hammer is pretty much Tim the Toolman Taylor, right? <laughs> <laughs> he's he's a little less uh, Republican-y, but yeah. Uh, I get no, a lot. A lot. I, don't, I don't think uh, he is. A little, yeah. a little yeah. like maybe less Republican and more libertarian. Like yeah. it's not better, uh, it's just different. Captain Hammer would yell at someone to pull themselves up by their bootstraps. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. Captain Hammer probably really loves Mike Rowe. <laughs> yes. <laughs> sure does. Yeah, he's a big Mike Rowe fan. Yeah. Um, yeah, Go so that's, that's, <laughs> that's Captain Hammer's origin story. Oh, my God. <laughs> All right. Um, OK, so these heroes <laughs> you've given me, they're obviously the most important member of the team now, you know, with the Avengers, including a god like Thor who carries an actual hammer. Anyway, what is the major story arc that we're going to get to see unfold uh, that gets to be led by your hero now that they are official card carrying member of the Avengers lineup? Uh, so per my, per my, uh, last response talking about the mystery men 20 years later, it's, it's now time for invisible boy to take up the mantle that shoveler once did and build this new team from the ground up. Now I, I talked a little bit earlier about one of the more critical things invisible boy brought to the first team was his skills in networking, which he literally says, and that's, uh, that's going to come back full force here. So there's, there's a scene in the movie where probably one of the best scenes in the movie, honestly where the, the heroes are holding superhero tryouts. This is where a lot of those stunt casts come into play. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, a, a very similar vibe to Deadpool 2 and uh, Deadpool yeah. bringing in, um, when he brought in Matt Damon for like a scene. You know? Brad Pitt. Brad, Brad Pitt was the Brad good Pitt. one, was the one. Oh, yeah, I just yeah. assume it's Matt Damon. Yeah. Well, Matt Damon was in Ragnarok. The yes, movie. you're right, you're right, you're right. Uh, so they're holding these superhero tryouts at Shoveler's actual house because he has a pool and, quote, that crowd is definitely into mooching. Um, <laughs> <laughs> great throwaway line. Um, so among the goofballs and weirdos that appear is a young, eccentric man calling himself The Waffler, and he's played by none other than Dane Cook. <laughs> oh, I I didn't click this link until maybe five minutes ago, and I don't know what to feel. It's Dane Cook, baby. It's Dane Cook circa 1999, just doing Dane Cook things. I, I'm, I didn't, I was unaware Dane Cook existed before 2006. This frosted yeah. tips, big belts, and all. Yeah, oh, his man. his Comedy Central special, his first Comedy Central special yeah. was 2001. I was just okay, like, literally just pulling up like. When did what was Dan Cook doing in 1999? It's probably being a struggling actor in L.A. like everyone else. Yeah. Doing doing sets at comedy clubs. Um, I mean, you don't just start doing a Comedy Central special. You do. Yeah. You you move up the circuit. So, yeah. Yeah. So he had a bit part in uh, in Mystery Men in 1999's comedy action movie. Superstar, super mega buster Mystery Men. Yes. Question for for Matt. He repri- I'm, I'm looking at IMDb again. Later that year, he reprised his role as the Waffler in the music video for Smash Mouth's All-Star. So that's the other thing I forgot to, that I wanted to cover. What? So the most important thing that this movie brought to America, it already brought you, it already brought us Dane Cook. It already brought us Jeffrey Rush calling himself Casanova Frankenstein. But 
This movie was the premiere of Smash Mouth's All Star. No. Shut your poor mouth. It no, super it was. What? It was the official, like, All Star was the official song of Mystery Men, and it played three times in the movie. Once during a training montage, and then again at the end credits. And I'm pretty sure it was like the feature, and they did the music video. So they did the, the tie thing that, that a lot of those movies did at the time, was they tied it back. Because this was the was the official song <laughs> of Mystery Men. This movie is has to be the most like pre 9-11 thing yeah. ever it's made. A, it's a linchpin of America cinema. <laughs> Andrew, I have a question for you. I have multiple questions I for you. I didn't start talking about Dane Cook yet. Just okay. Go ahead, Todd. Uh, one clarification. Uh, who would guess MysteryMen.fandom.com also an active wiki? Um, someone well, edited. Today, so. Someone ed- well, someone edited the Wafflers information within the last forty-eight hours. Was that you? <laughs> it wasn't me. But let's talk about the waff- the Waffler. So, okay, are you going to talk so, about his abilities in uh, in equipment and paraphernalia? He's got a waffle iron. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> so, so going back to the 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 fake future sequel. Um, so this is this is the real hook of our story. Invisible Boy is calling on the expertise of the Waffler, aka Dane Cook. Now, the twist is that this isn't Dane Cook, struggling actor, playing a bit part in a summer action comedy. No. We find out that the the Waffler is Dane Cook in this universe. What's more... What? What What does that mean? Yeah. (laughs) So this is just... This is just, in the world, in the universe of Mystery Men, the Waffler is Dane Cook. Like, not played by Dane Cook. It's Dane Cook. Dane Cook's alter ego is the Waffler. So let me explain. Real life Dane Cook is is the Waffler. Okay. So the reason that we haven't seen Dane Cook in so long is not because he was a one-trick pony that grew out of style in the late late aughts. Rather, the identity of Dane Cook was only meant to be a cover for his vigilanteism. But he got so famous so quickly that he was no longer able to balance his cover life with his superhero life. So he Spider-Man 2'd it for a while and gave up waffling, but realized people needed him and he had a responsibility. So he picked up the waffle iron full-time and he retired from comedy. And that is why Dan Cook no longer is in the comedy circuit, circuit because he's a superhero. I assumed he was canceled. I just like I don't know what he would have done, but I just assumed. Huh. Dane Cook, where where he's gone? I think he had a, like a breakdown just from being too famous and Well, he's he's making waffles. He's the he's waffler. Making, you're right. Uh, That's my answer. It's... All right. <laughs> all right, so we have Kel Mitchell uh as the waffler who Kel nope. Mitchell is playing. Kel no. Mitchell and the waffler. No, no, sorry. Kel Mitchell is playing the part of Invisible Man. Like the actor well, Kel he's Mitchell. Still invisible boy. <laughs> He's a man now, Andrew. <laughs> yeah, but you know, it's an it's a it's a symbol. It's important. It's a to brand. Say, <laughs> Kel Mitchell is playing the part of Invisible Man. Dane yeah. Cook is the waffler. That's correct. Okay, <laughs> Matt. Yeah, please. Okay, so that was weird, right? Anyway, all good antiheroes learn that the world needs a little evil to show us what good really is. And so here we are going to go on this epic arc of war and peace, trying to figure out what side of the line he's really on. Because, you know, you get that whole arc in Sky High where it's like, ah, he's a good guy. And 
emo kids can have friends too and that's fun <laughs> 2006 baby so we need a real arc of war and peace trying to navigate adulthood and figure out if he wants to lean into his father's villainy or lean into his mother's superheroism but what if those roles were reversed and in this new arc, War and Peace will have to fight the for-profit industrial government prison project to free his father from prison and take down his former hero mother who has broken bad and is playing judge, jury, and executioner in the city streets. She's decided power breeds evil. Warren <laughs> has learned that evil breeds good. Who will win in this epic moral quandary? This sounds like commentary for something, but I can't quite put my finger on it. I was going to say, it sounds like the tagline to Alien versus Predator. <laughs> the, the thing, though, is like you keep your you keep your metaphors vague enough that people can map them onto whatever they want. That's how you get the big audience. Mm. Cast a wide net. Mm, Cast I a see. wide net. Let, leave it up for interpretation. See, and it'll it'll keep the people guessing because yeah. his dad's last name is Battle. Which leaves you to believe his mom's last name is Peace because he his last name is Peace. But then if she's the bad guy, yeah, that's that's a that's a yeah M Night Shyamalan them. You know what else sells tickets and puts butts in seats is putting Nathan Fillion in the MCU, which is what I'm. <laughs> Important question. Well, it's not a good question. Um, what what now canceled comedian who is successful in the 2000s <laughs> are you casting? Because that's that's really going to matter. To get those butts in those seats. Do I have to do that? What if I just didn't do? I mean, according to Hollywood, you do. You just said I could just not do that. I can only think of Daniel Tosh. I mean, we could make Rosie O'Donnell the mom. What if Rosie O'Donnell is the mom? <laughs> is Louis C.K. the dad? <laughs> we no, need a redeeming the, actor for the dad. The dad's gonna be the good guy. Oh, he's the good guy. Okay. The, da the dad's gotta be like. Somebody who we all thought was bad, but actually turned out to be good. Give us like a Jeffrey Morgan. <laughs> that was everybody said something at the same time, and I'm sure all your answers were good, but I didn't hear any of them. Can his dad be all of Nickelback? <laughs> yeah, Chad Kroger. Chad Kroger plays the dad. Chad I don't Kroger, think I don't think you want to attach Rosie that horse to this cart, Matt. That's not going to do it for you. Is that what you want? It's not I what anyone of. wants. It's what Andrew <laughs> wants. What I want. Bad. I wouldn't hate it. <laughs> all right, you know? Kyle. I don't know. So, Todd, we all know from the musical documentary, Dr. Horrible, the, the titular character, Captain Hammer's arch foe, kills the love of his life. The first joy Captain Hammer has experienced since his parents' death at the careless hands of his friend at the time, high school graduate Horrible. He becomes head of the e and becomes head of the evil League of Evil. So I propose our decade-long arc builds up to reveal that every squabble and scrape the Avengers have been facing um, has been at the behest of the evil League of evil and Dr. Horrible forcing our hero to confront his parents killer once and for all. That's what I got. It's so what canceled popular 2000s <laughs> version are you putting in your movie, Kyle? Um, Joss Whedon. Joss Whedon wrote Dr. Horrible, <laughs> and he's back to, to, to help tell the tale again. Excellent. <laughs> Got it. Sure. Well done. I really <laughs> thought you were going to hit us with a Michael Richards. So I, Joss Whedon's a way better answer. <laughs> oh, shit. This is so stupid and fun. Um, all right. So we've got a super secret bonus question before we take a break. 
So I'll go ahead and give you that. So obviously, this Avengers movie that you have now placed your character at the forefront of is going to sell a bajillion dollars in tickets. That's just a bajillion. And so it's likely then going to inspire the next three phases of the MCU. So what I need you to do is describe to me what the post credit stinger is that is going to immediately trend on Twitter and set the Internet ablaze that follows the story that your character has set. And we will get that answer after the break. We've also got a Ding Dang Patreon where you can get yourself some Ding Dang perks like access to our Ding Dang Discord, regular Ding Dang bonus content, weekly Ding Dang live recordings of our second show, The Pluse is Loose, and even the opportunity to commission your own Ding Dang flavor text. You can join up for as low as two Ding Dang dollars, so make sure to tell all your Ding Dang friends. All right, we're back. Um, so we have the prompt here. So obviously this Avengers movie that you're that you're headlining is going to just sell. It's going to make more money than Jesus. And so I need to know um, what is going to be the post credit stinger that comes up at the conclusion of this movie that's going to keep people wanting more. So go ahead, uh, Andrew. Yeah, well, Kel Mitchell's Invisible Boy and Dane Cook, a.k.a. The Waffler, um, have had their hero's journey. We've seen a real a real meaty character arc through the waffler. Um, he's had some highs, he's had some lows, he's learned a lot of life lessons, but in the end they've come up on top and, uh, we see the, at the post credit stinger, uh, what did I call it? What did he, what's his name? Apocalypto. Apocalypto survives the final fight or whatever. And is, is talking to, he called, he makes a phone call and we see him. He's just saying, uh, I, I was unsuccessful, blah, blah, blah. Like, what do I need to do? And then on the other hand, we, we see cut to a man in a bathtub wearing a yellow rain jacket and a very a big yellow hat. And he's speaking in French and he says, oh, ha, ha. and it's Pierre Escargot. <laughs> <laughs> Portrayed by Keenan Thompson and all that. Oh. It's Pierre Escargot. If you'd have told me that the only way to get Keenan Thompson into the Marvel Cinematic Universe is via Kel Mitchell. I would not have believed you. <laughs> not what I thought I was going to be saying today, but here we are. So, Andrew, I just, you could have gone with the more obvious repairman and went with <laughs> Pierre Escargo instead. I don't know. That's just, I, that's what stuck up. That's what sticks most in my head is Pierre um, Escargo. Since we're doing this bit, I would have rather had Bag and Sag and Barry. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, we can do all that bits later. Oh, all right, Matt, what's uh, what's that stinger look like? Uh, yeah. So, you know, end of movie, whatever. War and peace back at his apartment, <laughs> getting ready to do whatever he does tomorrow. I hate it every time you say it, a little more every time we say it. Well, you you. I lost track of that joke. We're going to start again <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so he's getting ready to do whatever he does tomorrow. And we pan across the apartment to his table and on his table is his cell phone and then his cell phone lights up and we see a tinder alert war and peace has a new match on tinder and we see his phone light up and whose face is there but mary elizabeth winstead mary elizabeth winstead who if you haven't seen sky high this means nothing to you but she plays gwendolyn or gwen grayson uh in sky high she's the big bad Turns out she was actually Patrick Warburton the whole time. Ramona oh. Flowers was Patrick Warburton the whole time. That's, that's um, quite a quite a twist. Quite a twist. And as we see her face on the Tinder alert on the front of the phone, we'll hear 
Patrick Warburton's laugh in the background because I kid you not, in 2005 movie Sky High, Patrick Warburton voiced a character body acted by Mary Elizabeth <laughs> and it's real good. That's all I got, yeah. I was here I, for question one. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Kyle, what's your stinger? All right, so so our our Captain Hammer movie ends. Captain Hammer believes he's or has saved the day, or at least so he believes, because the credits roll and um and wrap up and and after the credits we hear it in a in the you know a digitally modified voice over the phone the plan worked they think they they think they succeeded we will now uh, proceed to phase two um and we we pan we are panning around a very evil looking lair um and we pan to a turned a high-backed turn turned around chair and a voice says good let's proceed then and the, the phone hangs up and a very maniacal evil laugh resonates throughout the room and the chair turns around to reveal neil patrick harris in goggles and a blood red um lab coat and we cut to black with dr horrible will appear again i i i I think i enjoy that better than the tinder alert with patrick warburton's (laughs) heavy voice whatever whatever it'd be funny It'd it'd be a lot funnier to you if you saw the movie that's, uh, that's fair. Um, <laughs> all right, so I need to um, I need to quickly Google all the references that you gave me over the last uh, duration of this podcast. Uh, so while I do that, um, go ahead, um, real quick, throw some closing statements at me, and then following that, we're gonna need your good vibes. Uh, my closing statement is thus: Kel Mitchell and Dane Cook find, fight evil with the power of Smash Mouth's All Star, or should I say, Smash Mouth? <laughs> <laughs> Listen, for almost 100 years, we've been dealing with really good superhero names like Clark Kent, Peter Parker, and Billy Batson. Let's add another great name to that list. War and Peace, the best superhero (laughs) name ever created for a 2005 Disney movie starring that girl from The Flash. (laughs) Todd, you you heard pitches on three different heroes from the the early to mid-2000s today. But only one of them is played by Nathan Fillion. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, now I'm going to start Googling all the references you've made today. Um, so while I do that, why don't you all uh, go around the table and give each other some good vibes? <laughs> Holy shit, guys. <laughs> um, oh, man. I fear uh, this was go- this is going to be much more fun for us than it will be be a listenable episode for our listeners so if you've made it this far we apologize and thanks for the for sticking along the ride if you've made it this far you've definitely seen one of these three Mm -hmm. uh, feature (laughs) films recently i mean that's Uh, the good thing right is like they only need to have seen one as long as you got one you can follow the thread that's totally fair um so speaking of a movie i've never seen and don't plan to sky high sounds fun um Actually, I, I I take that back. I I might actually watch it. If you're you go do and watch it. Mystery Men, I'll go and watch Sky High. Um, I will do that. War and Peace is very good, objectively. <laughs> I I don't know. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the the character in My Hero Academia, his thing is his dad has fire powers and his mom has ice powers. So like one half of his body is ice and the other half of his body is fire. Oh, that's um, cool. 
He's, he's like Mint he's Berry good. Crunch from South Park. <laughs> he's Mint Berry Crunch from South Park. <laughs> but he's also like the resident emo kid and like everybody loves him. Yeah. Um, good good pool. Good Thank pool you. on the sky high. Um it, it sounds that arc sounds really interesting and if that were actually like a movie that wasn't like a, you know, a, a Disney movie for kids, I bet that could be a really interesting compelling character arc. Thanks. Thanks. Mint, Mint Berry Crunch also also released before My Hero Academia. Shabwagoo! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, Kyle, the hammer is, indefi- is definitely my penis. Uh, Captain Hammer was the best pool, argu- inarguably. Uh, Dr. Horrible Sing Long blog was very good. I One of the few things that I watched on repeat just like several times. Like mm-hmm. I probably watched it three times in the same day. I thought it was it was so ingenious when it came out, and uh, I had never seen anything with Nathan Fillion before because I never watched Firefly, and uh, I was immediately smitten. Yep. Um, just up and down because yep. let's put Nathan Fillion in the MCU. What, like, <laughs> do it, cowards. Yeah, uh, man, this episode was a great time. It was a great time because we all spent this week being like, "Oh my God, do you remember this movie?" And yeah. I remembered a lot of those movies, but I hadn't seen Mystery Men. I will have seen Mystery Men by the time this episode <laughs> comes out. I'm really excited for that. Yeah. Uh, great pull. I mean, Thanks. anything that brings Keenan and Kel back into the, right. the pantheon of existence is top tier. So very good. Also, just the concept of I can only be invisible when nobody <laughs> looks at me. It's really God. fucking hilarious. It's so really, good. really good writing. Yeah. Yeah, um, that was awesome. Really enjoyed it. Kyle, Dr. Horrible's sing-along blog. Amazing pull. <laughs> Just amazing. For years, I thought that Dr. Demento's radio show and Dr. Horrible's sing-along blog were the same thing, and when I discovered they weren't, I watched Dr. <laughs> Horrible's sing-along blog a lot. So, mm-hmm. yeah, great. Love love Captain Hammer. Never would have thought of it. Excellent pull. The hammer is also my penis. Um, Andrew, very... A- amazing like pull for mystery men like wouldn't have been a com- an ep- a complete episode on like early 2000s superheroes yeah. without a mystery men pull um invisible boy is an inspired choice from the cast <laughs> full of inspired choices so good good call just just amazing and matt i know we we all expected you to to do zoom but you <laughs> you pulled the better version of that movie and did Sky High instead, and for that we thank you. I watched Sky High a lot when we, I think it was like the last movie we ever rented from Blockbuster, and we watched it a lot that weekend before we had to take it back. And I don't know if I said this on the recording before, but I'm you can't convince me that this isn't what convinced Disney to buy Marvel and continue <laughs> the MCU forever and ever and ever so uh very good job thank you yeah um just real briefly because i want to put it out there uh sky high was supposed to have a sequel it was going to be called Mm -hmm. sky high save you like you as in university yep um it it's worse i know it's worse but uh they canceled it and they said that they canceled it because sky high didn't take off enough but sky high tripled its budget at the box office and so uh, I fully agree with you and firmly believe that they canceled the Sky High reboot because they bought Marvel mm-hmm. when the Sky High reboot was supposed to come. They out. bought Marvel two years later, and I'm sure like mm-hmm. Sky High 2 was about to start development and they were like, 
we own Iron Man now. We're not making Sky <laughs> High 2. And it's and and the world is worse for it. So, yes, absolutely. So we have taken all of your heroes um, and, and their castings and done some lineups and put them side by side with the with the team, at least the team we think we're going to have by the time we get to Avengers 12, because that's what we're casting for right now. Um, Avengers 12, we've run out of ideas. And so um, I want to let you know who's not going to be there. Um, Is it Dane Cook? Is he going to be there? Andrew, we're not letting Dane Cook on the property. Um, <laughs> now, I, I heard you did some lineups. Can I interest you in some lines with Dane Cook? No, we he he came in and he started talking really hot and heavy about pickles um, and sweet and sour sauce. And he really just tried to do his whole bit and it really tanked the whole thing. Um, it is not Dane Cook. It will never be Dane Cook. Uh, you really dropped me like a coconut. <laughs> <laughs> Dane Cook is the one out here editing the uh, the the Mystery Man <laughs> wiki. If I'm if I'm to guess right, the last two the last two were a little bit tougher. And so, gotta tell you, it's not gonna be you, Matt. We're not we're not doing War and Peace. We're not we're not taking him. Um, we like it, but we're not gonna take him. And here's why we are gonna take. Uh, we are going to take Captain Hammer. So fun fact, Nathan Fillion is in the Marvel Cinematic Universe twice already. Um, he, he voiced a character in Gardens of the Galaxy, and he was on a movie poster in Iron Man 3. So, yeah, check check the record, nerds. Anyway, he is not the get out of what you've given us today, though oh, he okay. is part of it. The real get here is that in Avengers 12, we run out of ideas. We're going to get... <laughs> We're going to get the villain Bad Horse, and we're very excited for that. <laughs> and so, so we are going to be taking Captain Hammer, and we're thrilled for that. We will quickly be ditching him for Bad Horse. Um, we are thrilled to see what Bad Horse brings to the big screen. You won't be disappointed, Todd. I hear, <laughs> I hear Bad Horse's uh, acting chops have only improved since, since his last appearance. The crime here, though, is that we didn't get anything, any follow-up on Mystery Men, but we did get a Grown Ups 2. And I'm I'm bummed that, that they yeah. gave us a second grown ups, but never followed up on Mystery Men. Unfortunately, Ben Stiller money isn't the same as Adam Sandler money. That's, that's true. That's very true. Truer <laughs> words have never been spoken. Yeah. So with that, we want to say thanks for listening to Debate This. You can follow along with the arguments on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram at Debate This Cast or on our website at DebateThisCast.com. Hey, do you want more Debate This content, but you just can't wait until two Tuesdays from now? Do you love hearing our voices and goofs and crave more for your ear holes? Well, you're in luck, because if you subscribe to our Patreon for just $5, you can unlock the fourth Tuesday. Plus, doing so will let you get nerdy with us and our Patreon-only Discord. So, until next time, I'm Todd Thomas. I'm Andrew, Celebrity Rehab with Dr. Druid Henderson. <laughs> I'm Matt, the Molnir is my meanest, Cole. I'm <laughs> Kyle. <laughs> Um, if home is where your heart is, your real home's in your chest, Harper. <laughs> and we're saying thanks for debating with us. And you think we're wrong, then you can come fight us behind the swing sets, nerds. Holy shit, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> the Mjolnir is my meanest. <laughs> That's the stupidest thing we've ever said on this podcast. That's it. <laughs> oh my Jesus. Ooh.